Hello, and welcome to Cruising Through History. I am sitting here with Scott Cruz. My name is Xander. Scott, where are we cruising through today? Well, today, Xander, if you remember at the end of last episode, I said, did the Greeks have robots? Yeah, and I was like, what? (laughs) I was just like, excuse you? It's a very interesting question because yes and no. I know that's sort of leading people on, but... um, but I wanted to kind of start with their mythology, okay? Because you kind of see this in the mythology, and then I'll talk about how it was sort of applied with some humans. <laughs> so. Okay, you've got me. I'm skeptical, but I, let's hear. <laughs> let's get this going. Well, of course, we all know that in Greek mythology, there was a god named Hephaestus, okay, who was the god of uh, invention and work, and he's always pictured like at a forge with a hammer making all these incredible things. And he did make a lot of incredible things. Like Zeus's thunderbolts or, or not. Yeah. Like those or other things. Or other things like mechanical things. Like oh, he made, okay. Um, he made automatic gates for heaven for the, uh, uh, for the Greek gods. Okay. He fashioned these carts that would serve them during their feasts that were, that would sort of were self-propelled. And then there are other, other things in the myths. Um, one, he created a whole, he created personal assistance, sort of like a, um, you know, asking Amazon Alexa or something. But they were in the form of women, and they were they were like robots, if you will, and they were sort of said to have all the wisdom of the gods. They had that in there. So the precursor to Google. Yes, <laughs> very much so. So Hephaestus did build a bunch of inventions uh, for Zeus and. One was uh, to punish Prometheus because, of course, Prometheus was himself a titan, so that he was a god. Yep. And he, of course, gave fire to humans, the technology of fire. And actually, you know, there's a Greek term called biotechni, and that's where we get our word biotechnology. Oh, okay. And it it's literally means life through craft. So it's like building things. Yeah. And it was said that I know some of the Promethean myths differ on this but in one it was said that uh, zeus built a bronze eagle that's the thing that would torment prometheus every day it was like a, they called it a mechanical raptor and it would arrive like clockwork you know they would use these terms like this and he also had um, hephaestus build pandora because that was to punish humans for accepting the fight Wait, so like the thing with Pandora's box, so the the box itself, he built that. No, he built the Pandora, the woman. Oh, so the Pandora's the person. Yes. Pandora's, okay. So he built, uh, there's a great book called Gods and Robots by Adrian Mayer, and she was the inspiration for this whole episode. She also has some TED Talks on on YouTube and some lectures that she has that you can watch. But she, she sort of calls this the first fembot. <laughs> that, oh, boy. Because so she was given all these qualities by the gods and sent to Earth with this jar. Okay. And, of course, it was sent to Prometheus's brother, or she went to Prometheus' brother, and then the jar was opened, and, of course, this released all these evils on humanity, and that was their punishment for, um, for accepting the fire from Prometheus. Okay, so 
that wouldn't so that just completely blows my mind that now Pandora was a robot essentially. Well, yeah, that's how we'll describe it. Well, <laughs> for the sake of this, but you know, there were there was another thing. Um, you're probably familiar with the with the word or the name Talos. Mm-hmm. So he, Talos was constructed by Hephaestus and given to the king of Crete. Okay. And he was a bronze, they call him a bronze robot. And he was given to, I know we're kind of playing loose with the words, but, but it's, it's sort of the same concept. Yeah. So he was a, so he was given to the king of Crete and he, and Talos would sort of walk around the island and he would, uh, he would patrol it as it were. And in the myth, Jason and the Argonauts, well, they defeat Talos. And how they did that was the sorceress Medea figured out that Talos had a tube that would run from his legs up his spine into his head. And in this tube was, was an ichor, which was sort of, the gods had this in their veins. Instead of blood, they had what, what the Greeks called ichor, which is sort of a nebulous fluid. And so Medea thought, well, why don't we just take that bolt out of his ankle and all the ichor will drain out. Let's, let's change his oil. So we'll take the bolt out, and the ichor will run out, and there you go. And then that defeated him because he could no longer function. We'd be like unplugging him, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it's like interesting. So when you were saying the Greeks having robots, it's more the legends of these ro- like robotic things. Right, which I guess literal. what we would call automatons. Okay. Which, of course, is a term that, comes up all through the history of science and technology. Interesting. Because the Egyptians kind of had automatons too. And a lot of it started with toys. Like there was an inventor named Archytas who came up with these mechanical birds. And they really were meant for just sort of um, entertainment purposes. Mm -hmm. They weren't really meant for anything. But what you find, though, is a lot of times these automatons were used in religious ceremonies at shrines and temples. So, you know, you'd come in, and sometimes they would even invent, so a sound of a trumpet would blow when the doors would open, or they would have it where you could put a coin into a slot, and you would get holy water that would be dispensed from this thing. So when we're, we're I, guess, I guess to help out here, because my, my concept of a robot, you know, we've got this 21st century concept of a robot right. who's danger, thinking danger, yes. and, you know, we see an iRobot or things like that where they have their own, you know, compute, literal computing ability. Um, right. I think this is a very different concept. Think of more like a wind-up doll or like a, I don't know, you open a door and a, the doorbell rings, right. something like that. There's an action and an automatic response. Right. And they, were, and, and, and they really used um, they used a lot of sophisticated systems of like pulleys and levers and things that would make these things move mm-hmm. or even talk. Or you could talk through them so it would appear that a statue. Daedalus, the famous Daedalus of Daedalus and Icarus, who came up with the wings to, to escape Crete. And, of course, his son flew too close to the sun. No, no pun intended. <laughs> and um, he came up with a moving statue. Now, this is in myth, of course. But in reality, they did have these. So yeah. in Alexandria, they would have, uh, when they would have these processions, there was a god named Nisa, I think, who would be in a, dragged along in a cart. Well, it was a statue of the god. But the statue moved. It would pour libations for people. 
and all this stuff. And we do have uh, testimony coming down to us that these things did exist. Um, but sometimes, you know, one thing that runs through the mythology, and I see this, we can see this in modern times too, is that the Greeks always thought this technology, they didn't really call it that, but this knowledge was only safe in the hands of the gods. Once it got spread to humans, then it got, then it could be used for malevolent purposes. Yeah. It's, well, it's, and it's, people talk about tech and tyranny all the time. Yeah, that connected. is an ongoing theme. Um, science fiction has explored it immensely, the idea of technology corrupting or even different things of science corrupting. Mm-hmm. Um, iRobot, we mentioned it, is <laughs> another example. It corrupts itself or... The, I remember just a few uh, two months ago the rumor that Google's made a sentient AI or something like something right. like that. That's constantly. I been mean, we there. talk about AI all the time. That I mean, I always say we have a lot of advancements, but sometimes I always think just because we can doesn't <laughs> I mean maybe we should. So that was these um, robots or automatons were one of those things that. Humanity probably shouldn't touch this type of technology. Right, and that's why Prometheus was punished, because mm-hmm. he wasn't supposed to share it with humans. And uh, Adrian Mayer, in one of her lectures, made that point, too, that there's always been a tie between tyranny and, and tech. And actually, um, it was in reality, too. Uh, there was a ruler named uh, Phalaris of Sicily, and he had crafted a bronze bowl Oh, I think I've heard. I've, oh, I think I've heard of the bronze bull. Can you go? What's yes? Yeah, what so it, about? it was a bronze bull made of bronze, of course. And what you could do is, when you wanted to execute somebody, you could put them inside of the bull, heat it up from the bottom, and it would slowly, of course, burn to death or roast the person within. But what what they came up with was this sort of. So it, uh, there was inside of the bull. There were these pipes if you will that would lead out so it would the bull would start to blow smoke out of its nose and then there was a a, a tube that would magnify the screaming inside oh no so it'd be like the bull was making a noise and when it would move you'd heat it up it would start moving it looked like it was alive well it was animated by the person that was being executed inside which is kind of a, that's really it's not like a great. Pretty gruesome. <laughs> it's um, very gruesome. That's worse than I thought it was. I knew the, <laughs> I knew the putting inside and heating up, but now that adds just a different image to it. Right. So, and there was yeah. another, a Spartan dictator named uh, Nabis, who had a wife named Apega, and she was known as almost more ruthless than he was. But he had come up with this little invention. They call it a, a female robot. Yes, I'm using that word, but you know, we'll, we'll say a female automaton. Where they came up with a likeness of her. So what this Nabis would do is he was constantly sort of expropriating everyone's money and land and everything. So when he would invite someone to do this with and they wouldn't comply... He would say, well, perhaps if you talk to my wife, she'll, maybe she can persuade you. Well, it turns out the thing was seated. It wasn't her. It looked exactly like her. Mm -hmm. So when you would go to take her hand to the seated lady, and I'm using air quotes, which I haven't done in a while, (laughs) um, she would stand up. 
And when she would stand up, there would be springs in her back that would make her arms move up. And I'm doing these motions, so you can't see them, but it's kind of hilarious. They're quite robotic. Um, yes. So a little dance. It's the robot dance. Here we go. Okay, I'm getting off tap. <laughs> so what happened was then suddenly, so Nambus would go behind her, and in the back he could sort of maneuver her arms. Suddenly the arms would close in on the person oh. and start saying and start bringing them closer to her. Okay, so, and usually the, the person was inebriated. He would make sure of that, so they couldn't really tell if it was really her or not. Yeah, so they think she's kind of giving them a hug. Right, but what she's doing is, on her arms and her hands and her breasts, there's iron spikes. So it's like an Iron Maiden. She's pulling them oh. closer, and she's impaling them. Uh, so anyone who disagrees with him... It says, maybe my wife could convince you. <laughs> right. And by convince you, it really means kill you. Pretty much. And, of course, they don't know if there was a connection between the Iron Maiden and this. That, Because when it comes to torture mechanisms, people don't seem to come. People don't seem to run out of ideas. No, they really <laughs> don't. Um, if there's one thing humanity has gotten really good at, it's making humanity suffer. Um, <laughs> right. And, but th- that makes me wonder if. Um, these machinations, these automatons, robots are so, and that technology isn't for humanity. Were there examples of people using these for any sort of um, positive benefit? I was about to say, with besides the roasting and the impaling, yeah, um, there was. Okay, and there was a, and sometimes it was just kind of showy, you know. But there were some things that the, the Greeks applied uh, to to sort of uh, do other things besides bad things. Yeah. <laughs> so, but there were two there were two uh, inventors. I don't know if I want to call them that. They were like engineers. One was Hero of Alexandria, and the other one was Philo of Byzantium. And even though he's called that, he lived most of his life in Alexandria. Now, the common it's really interesting to me because. It wasn't until the Hellenistic period that a lot that these advances in automation really started to take off. And then I thought to myself, hmm, that's interesting because we had talked about in our podcast about the Library of Alexandria. Mm-hmm. That was really established during the Hellenistic period. And then the two guys who really came up with a lot of stuff were from Alexandria. Uh-huh. Plus, you know, that religious procession that was in Alexandria. So I often think... Really, what was destroyed in that library? Right. What was there? Because they're, I mean, this hero, he came up with a steam engine. What you'd call a, a, a it had a, it was bladeless. I've actually seen it demonstrated. And it, it kind of, when you heat up the water, it kind of goes going, and it starts moving around. So it like, and with, so when the water is heated, it basically turns something inside. The steam turns it, essentially. Yes, and so it starts to move. Now, I don't know if they applied this to anything or if this was just something he sort of came up with. But he's, a, he's another one who sort of came up with the first vending machine. And that was when you, that was where you get the holy water when you put the coin in and it would dispense it. He also came up with a self-filling uh, bowl of wine that was, it had a float valve in it. So if it got too low, it would fill up. Hmm. And a lot of times these were, they had it so it would, you know, once it would fill, it would know when to stop because it would come up to a certain point. Yeah. I suppose it's like a toilet. I I hate to use that example, but 
you know, a toilet filling. It's well, that's a good example. I think those are, it's a, toilets and all, and modern plumbing is a wonderful <laughs> yeah, invention. Exactly. So, I mean, to make something like this so early is um, right. quite incredible to use and make it so that it can be used sparingly. You don't, you know, waste anything. Right. That and he actually came up with a, similar to Hephaestus in the myth, he came up with a sort of a cart that was powered by falling weights and he would put strings and wrap them around the drive axle, and that would sort of, when the weights would fall, it would move by itself. Mm -hmm. And so, now this one I couldn't, this invention I couldn't really verify, but I'll say it anyway because it sounds cool. <laughs> uh, he actually came up with an entire mechanical play that lasted for like 10 minutes in length, and it was powered by ropes, knots, and simple machines operated with a, rotating cog wheel so i'm picturing someone having to so like a music box but but just a full-on play um right and then he was he had the sound of thunder in there and that was produced by mechanically time dropping the metal balls onto a hidden drum yeah so this guy's basically the wizard of the wizard of Oz. <laughs> pretty much uh so so there were some things and but this philo guy he kind of beats them all because he came up with what he called the automatic servant of, well, it's called the automatic servant servant of Phylon. It should be Philo, actually, but they called it Phylon. And it, some call it the first operating robot of humanity. Now, again, we're using that term. But what it would do is it would dispense wine. So it looked like a maid. You can actually look all this stuff online because it has how it did it. And it looked like a maid. And in one hand, she had a jug of wine, then she had water. And then she would fill a glass and then dilute the water, wine with the water if need be. Now what's happening inside is there's all these, all these pipes and stuff. So how it works is when you start to fill the cup, when it gets to a certain weight, as her arm drops, it cuts off the, it cuts off the flow. Oh, it's yeah. It's got a valve in there that will cut it off. Yep. And then that will trigger the water to start moving. So it comes from the other side. I know this isn't helping because people are listening to this and I'm describing it with my arms. And then same same deal. Once the arm is goes all the way down and the, it's got weight, that stops the flow. When it doesn't, it flows. Yeah, so it, it's like one of those, um, almost like one of those kind of locking mechanisms. It goes one way and once it triggers some hairpin something, It'll lock that in place, stop it, and it's going to keep going for the next thing until it's emptied. And then I'm guessing someone have to reset it, or would it reset probably. itself automatically? Yeah, I don't know if you'd have to refill it. You probably would. Like when I think of that self-filling wine jar, mm -hmm. I mean, it probably was connected to something bigger. Yeah. And then you would fill that, and then when your wine would get low, because who wants that to happen? No. And of course, <laughs> the horror. So when the wine would get too low, then it would fill it up with the float valve, and then it would know when to stop. Yeah. And I think that's kind of amazing. I mean, none of this was with electricity. It was all with engineering. It was all with pulleys and weights and, and all that stuff. And so it's, in fact, the Philo character, um, his nickname was Philo Mechanicus. I just love these names. Mm -hmm. And he lived most of his life in Alexandria. But he wrote a book called the Mechanicae Syntaxis, again, with the name, which just basically means a compendium of mechanics. But it's interesting because he had two sections in there. One was called Automata Poica, 
and the other one's called Pneumatica. And that's um, in the Pneumatica is where he describes the maid and how that's done. But he also it talked about what would become a water wheel or a water mill in this thing, which is the first, in the West at least, it's the first reference. Because other cultures had automata. I know I'm talking mostly about the Greeks, uh, but the Egyptians did. They used it in shrines too. Yeah. And um, the Chinese did too. And so, but automata have been around. I mean, there was um, in the, I want to say the 18th century, there was an automata called the Turk. He was a chess player, traveled through Europe to all the courts of Europe. And so he was, there was a box. He was on top of a box and he would play chess. He would apparently make these moves like he had knew what was going on. Oh, but it was just like. It turns out later that the box, there was a person sitting in the box and they were directing all this. Now, there's no proof that maybe that's what some of this was, but. A lot of times it wasn't. It was just, and if you ever seen, some of our listeners may have seen the old, the old Clash of the Titans movie, the one with Harry Hamlin. It's got some sort of not groovy. It's got some really kind of cheesy. Were you effects. about to say groovy? Some groovy <laughs> effects, man. Yes. <laughs> no, I, I don't. I'm not that old that I'm saying groovy, but um, in there they had a mechanical owl that would always fly around, mm-hmm. and and it made me think of this when I was looking at this stuff, but I always thought it was just interesting, this whole concept of, of artificial intelligence, artificial life, you know, can you build something? And of course, you know, I mean, uh, Mary Shelley called her book Frankenstein or the modern Prometheus. We sometimes don't know the second part of that title. And of course, that's when you use technology and something bad happens. Yeah. And of course, that's a lesson in that book too. It's, I mean, it's interesting because invention and automatons and mechanics, they, it's changed them. The avenue of how they happen has changed. Um, Yes. In this sense, we're talking pulleys, weights, um, levers, you know, we're going to get to gears and making things turn and different, you know, what what kind of gear you're going to be in to do different weights or different effort levels and such. Right. But, you know, when we get to electricity and breakers and turning, you know, going from point A to point B in electricity, but you don't want to go the other way with electricity. (laughs) And then, I mean, in some way, the the avenue that these things have happened has shifted. Um, Right. Because even when you get to coding, um, some of the you know most basic things in coding is like an if to a then statement. So if this, then this. Right. And or if this, not this, but this happens. Right. This is when I think about that. Um, the automaton pouring the wine. It's like, well, if the wine reaches this level, uh, stop that. Then start this. Or it reaches this level. Then start right. that. Stop that. Start this. When you do this, uh, light up a little crystal that says refill. Like it, the the idea right. is the same. The avenue is different. Um, and, and we talk about. I think you and I have talked about before. You know what knowledge have we lost over the years? Because remember, probably the the crowning achievement, one of them of Greek technology, was the the Antikythera mechanism. 
and that is that thing. Most people, when you say the name, most people won't know what it is. No idea. But when you look it up, you'll say, oh, yeah, that's what it is, because it's that thing that was found in a shipwreck in, like, 1901, and they could never figure out what it was. It was like a wheel, and it had a bunch of things on the outside, but it was so encrusted with stuff from the sea, it wasn't until later... About a year later, though, someone, one of the archaeologists identified something that looked like a gear that was in it. Well, after a lot of research that's still going on today on it, and, you know, when they started using, like, uh, scans and things of that nature, what they figured out what it was, it was a hand-powered orrery, which is a model of the solar system. And in, some people describe it as the oldest analog computer because because it was used to predict astronomical positions and eclipse, eclipses decades in advance of when they would happen. But it also was used to track the four-year cycle, which was similar to their Olympics. Okay. And so it was discovered in a shipwreck in about 1901. Oh, and I'm trying to think if I've heard, seen this before. I'm like, I'm imagining it in my head, but, you know, as thing it's interesting that you say it's like one of the first analog computers because there are a lot of things that are computers that we don't think of them as computers <laughs> right um and even as you started this with robots there are a lot of things that are robots that aren't we don't think of as robots um right so right. like you mentioned the automatons they're a type of robot right we know that we know we, in our culture now we know the famous robots from lost in space and yeah whatever. but they're the danger it's a different thing and when you talk about mythology it's interesting that they appeared in mythology before you know they actually someone actually worked with something like it right um right because mythology in a sense is another uh i mean aside from the religious aspect we're not talking about the religious aspect of mythology here we're right. talking about the kind of the science fiction aspect of it because mm -hmm. there's something that is well it's it's this type of science. It's a kind of predicting what the science would be. Like, what is this? Right. What I would mean, be happening? a lot of, you know, some of this stuff about Hephaestus was talked about by Homer in the Iliad, for goodness sake. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, they were at least thinking about it. It was there already. And so it wasn't until people started to apply this and think, hey, how can we, <laughs> how can we get our statues to talk? <laughs> and, I mean, if I saw something like that, uh, that bronze, it was a bronze bull, right? Yes. If I if you saw something like a bronze bull moving and screaming and blowing out smoke, right. I would think what in, this is some form of like God at this point. Yes. Um, and I think in a lot of ways that was sort of the impression they were trying to make. Which is why, you know, they'd say they always want, you know, the gods want to sort of keep this away from humans. But I think when the humans got it, they thought, you know, this kind of makes me look like a god. I'm making these things. And, yeah. Um, and I, I mean, I lightly mentioned this before, but that's almost the exact scenario of the Wizard of Oz. Because um, yeah. the, how the wizard looks so wizardry and hides behind his curtain. And he's doing all this stuff to make it look like he's doing magic. And it only looks like it. Right. And then you're like, he's just an inventor. Um, which right. it's I say just an inventor as if that's like, a, you know, not a something to be lauded after. But... He was just kind of playing a trick. And I, I feel like all of the, these things are made of someone, of course, they wanted to do something cool, like pouring wine is, you know, that's definitely a party trick <laughs> the, uh, exactly. for them. But it, it's really all just part of intelligence. And you mentioned that um, the Chinese did this as well. And 
different groups do this and we keep seeing this like everyone does it like around the same time there's no communication but they all do it right um right that's really cool but yeah so um but there were some practical applications i know i sort of left it with the they did use it for some other for, yeah. for some other means but but i think just the idea of saying well why don't i have a mechanical servant will that work you know someone just thought of that i mean mm -hmm. I, I don't know. It, it's amazing sometimes that people dream up. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, even with our modern technology, someone had to think of, why don't you just ask Siri? Um, or Alexa, too. Or Alexa. Yeah. Like, why why do we need to type everything when we say, like, activate our phones? And I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it now because my phone will just be like, <laughs> what do you need? Um, right, right. But it, it's it's always interesting the way the way we do things and how we get there. And I think... Yes. I mean, in this sense, how we got there is people thought of like, ooh, mythology. What if, what if? And then someone was like, wait, what if? Like, yeah, it's what, uh, completely different. But yeah, so like I said, I did see a working model of this Heroes steam engine. Yeah. It was kind of cool. Now, whether we could apply it, some have said, don't confuse this. This didn't, you know, start the Industrial Revolution. But I think just the fact that someone had that idea mm -hmm. is interesting in itself. Yeah. You know, because they didn't have coal and all that to burn to to create steam. They had to do it by heating up water. But it really, when you said it, I really thought of steampunk as a whole genre. Of yes, literature. that's a good that's a good comparison. So if you if you like steam things, steampunk <laughs> may be your way to go. If you like the description of that invention. Right. Right. So. So Scott, you've got me with robots this time. And you convinced you. I was skeptical. You got me. You did. You did it. Where are we cruising through next time? Well, Xander, I I know the last time that we talked, I sort of had a teaser about this one. Okay. And I normally don't do that, but I thought, well, here's another one. Did the Chinese discover America? Oh, that'll flip the script, won't it? it oh boy. It sure will. And I'll have I'll have some answers to that and some other things about America's discovery. All right, yeah. Well then, look forward to it next time, I guess. Oh, hey, Scott, did you know that listeners can actually contact us now? They can? How can they do that? Yeah, they can just email us at um, historycruise at mykpl.info. Great. Also, like and subscribe on any of the platforms you find this podcast.